Thanks for downloading this message from Devoted, the Christ Central Festival for all the family. Christ Central is part of New Frontiers, and our distinctives are made up of four priorities. Being friends enjoying God together, building churches empowered by word and spirit, advancing the kingdom transforming the world, and reaching nations making disciples. Devoted is just one event, but you can find out more about Christ Central and other training opportunities at ChristCentralChurches.org. For more about Devoted, please visit DevotedEvent.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. One of the absolute joys for us is to work in partnership with other apostolic leaders. You've heard us talk about the Christ Central Partnership, but we are absolutely not limiting our joining arms and our linking together with other key apostles in the UK at all. In fact, that's why we've invited Topi Colioso to be with us. We honour and recognise his apostolic gift. We recognise the great church that Toppy has been able to build in Enfield in London, Jubilee Church, but also his ministry has extended far and wide. Other ministries, other great people that you would know about, people like Mark Driscoll, people like John Piper, people like Jack Hayfield, have actually really received from Toppy, and he is part of our family. He's part of New Frontiers. He's part of who we are together, and I have the joy and the privilege of sitting in the UK-based apostles' meetings. And I can tell you, Toppy is not the loudest voice in the room. But I tell you this, he's often the wisest voice in the room. Quite often, what will happen in those meetings, we'll, a lot of us have got quite hot air, a lot of us have got quite opinionated, we'll talk round the circle, and then somebody will say, Toppy, what do you think? And he says, oh, I don't really have much of an opinion. But if I did... And then he'd give this amazing word of wisdom. And you think, Toppy, that's incredible. Please speak up. I believe God has given this man a voice to this nation and to other nations. And we want to open up our hearts tonight to receive him, not just as an apostle of the risen Lord Jesus, although we honour the gift that he is, but actually as a dear friend. Please welcome Toppy Colioso as he comes to bring the word of God to us. Good evening. It's a, it's a real joy to be here. And um, let me read a few verses from the Bible to start off. I'm going to be reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 5. So you might want to turn to it. Joshua chapter 5. When Joshua was by Jericho, verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him. 
and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servants? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. And you shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. And thus shall you do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets, rams, horns before the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. Verse 15. And on the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of the day and they marched around the city in the same manner seven times. And it was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. Verse 20. And so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet... Let me just stop and say... If ever you're invited to preach and you don't have much to say, read a lot of Bible verses. A lot of Bible verses. So let me continue. (laughs) And so the people shouted a great shout. And the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And they captured, they captured the city. Well, it's a real great joy to be here with you. I trust you can hear me over the elements there. But it really is a joy to be here. It's a real privilege to be here, actually. Uh, when Jeremy first approached me about it, I, I, I wondered if I could make it. Now that I'm here, this afternoon I was praying and thanking God. I feel I am exactly where God wants me to be, doing exactly what God wants me to do at this time. So for me, it is an incredible joy, really, to be here. I came in uh, earlier on this morning, and I just caught some of the worship, uh, the more just the time together, seeing the children pray for uh, adults, and just being in the presence of God, and singing about this great God and the healing that He brings. Real blessing. And uh, I got to say... Um, <laughs> Yes, it reminds me of our days of Stonely Bible Week and so on. And I remember all of that. Uh, the one thing I don't miss is the camping. I gotta tell you that. I, I don't miss, I don't miss the camping. Uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm African. I'm Nigerian. I said to our kids a long time ago, we're not allowed to play rugby. We're not allowed to go camping. So we just don't do those two things. Because, uh, just the whole, all of that, it's just difficult for me, but, I don't think there's any people group that love camping more than the English, the wellies, the rain. It's all, in fact, everybody mocks in together. And uh, actually, you know, we grew up, we, we over time, going to Stonely with our family, the amount of good it did us to just shut everything else out and come together and mock in together. It was, it did so much good for us. And many years later, we are reaping the goodness, the goodness of it all. Uh, but I, but anytime I'm in a context like this, or remember camping, I'm, I often remember the story, and you would have heard it before, but it's the best that I know, and I love to think about it. The story of uh, 
the uh, kind of like a dainty old American lady, in kind of like in her 70s, who was going to go camping. And, uh, you know, when you're that kind of age, you're careful, you want to check everything. So she wrote a letter to the campsite manager to say she just wanted to check what the toilet facilities were like on the campsite. Because trust me, when you're that kind of age, you just, you just want to know that everything is there and it works at close proximity, you know. And so she wrote this letter, but she's kind of like a really gentle, cute lady. When she wrote the word toilet, she thought it didn't, it didn't, it just didn't, it was too crude for her. So she, you know, thought about it and finally thought she would use the word bathroom commode, which was the old word, you know, for toilet, you know, to write bathroom commode. But even after, after having written that, she thought, no, it's still too crude. So in the end, instead of writing bathroom commode, she wrote BC for bathroom commode. And then sent off the letter to the campsite, wanted to check everything before she goes. Well, she, the campsite manager gets the letter, and for the life of him, he's thinking, BC, what in the world is a BC? I mean, BC, he asks everybody, what is a BC? BC, nobody can guess it, nobody can work it out from the context. In the end, he concludes, it must stand for Baptist Church. And I think this lady is actually writing and uh, wanting to check that there's a Baptist church not far from the campsite. So he decides it's Baptist church. So he writes back to her, dear, dear madam, can I just start by apologizing for taking so long to write back to you? But, uh, you know, just things have been busy and all of that. Uh, but I am glad to tell you that there is a BC nine miles from the campsite. Said it's capable of seating 250 people at the same time. <laughs> Said, I admit it's a bit of a distance, but you know, a, a, but people have made a habit of going regularly. <laughs> he said, in fact, many people go. Said, in fact, they take their lunch with them. <laughs> said, they, in fact, they have refurbished the whole of this BC that whatever you do in the acoustics are so good, you hear everything when you're there. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I haven't been for myself personally for six years. <laughs> he said, but I hear many people go, in faith, there's a standing room only in that place. He said, it pains me to say I haven't been more regularly. He said, when you come, I will be glad to go with you. And I will sit with you. Because we want you to know. We're a very friendly campsite. <laughs> well, <laughs> quite a story. So for those of you camping, you have it easy. Because it's all on site. It's a joy to be here. And with the moments I have, I want to speak to you on advancing by faith. That's where we're going. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. The joy of knowing you, being pulled out from the married clay, thank you for my own life. And I think of moments like this, I never thought, never dreamt. And here we all are, God's people, enveloped together, being embraced by the Almighty, singing songs of love to you, responding to the beat of the drums, oh God, in worship so that our hearts are caught up with the rhythm, so that we can hear you. And now we get the privilege to hear your voice, to hear your word. Speak to us, Lord. 
because we are eager to hear you, that we may live the way that you have set up for us, the life of faith. And Father, I pray that at the end of it, we all will be edified and Jesus will be glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Those who pay regard to vain idols, Jonah is speaking, those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. For that which I have said, I will make good, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Can you shout amen to that? Can you shout amen to that? Ah, yes. I'm going to have to make you very African by the time I'm gone. When we shout to God, when we shout amen, when we say those things, it is not just a kind of Pentecostalism. It is because we're hearing biblical truth that resonates with our spirits. And because it resonates with our spirit, something on the inside of us wants to say, that is true. That is, I receive it. I, I, I'm with it. I affirm it. And so to breathe in all this air that God freely gave, to fill your lungs with it, and then expel it forth, and shout the word to God, and shout hallelujah, and shout amen, so that your frame shakes, so that every single thing in this place shakes and knows that people who know and love God are here and passionate for him. It is a good, the Bible says that everyone shout amen. Therefore, can you shout amen? Oh, they're all Africans, I think. (laughs) Or maybe they're just born-again Christians passionate about their God. Those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you for that which I have vowed. I will pay, I will make good. Salvation belongs to to our God. This is Jonah, he's speaking, and really what he's saying there is the ridiculousness of worshipping an idol. The foolishness of worshipping an idol who doesn't move or doesn't speak. Many time I think about this, I think of my son who shared with me a couple, few years ago, he's quite grown up now, but when he was kind of like seven, eight years old, uh, something happened to him, which he never told anyone, but he said he told me a few years ago, about eight years old I think he was, he went to the Tesco not so far from us and uh, you know that kids right when you give them one pound coin they're happy but if they could have 10 10 p pieces they're happier it just seems more well he goes to this and he sees this machine where you put the money in and it breaks it down into smaller denominations for you you know and just gives you just changes it for you and he was so keen to just get more in his hand than just one coin no he puts the pound in and he waits and nothing happens. And he waits. And nothing happens. And, over, and the machine is just there, st- staring back at him. Cold, immovable, stoic, uncaring, insensitive, but nothing happens. He looks at it a little closer and realizes eventually, this machine... This machine is not a machine to break down your coins into other denominations. It's for people who have traveled abroad and have coins they don't need. You're supposed to chuck it in there. 
the trauma that that kind of thing works inside a little kid who walks home and never tells the story. To worship an idol has got to be like that. Whatever you put in, nothing comes out. When Isaiah talks about an idol, this is what he says. He talks about idols. He says, you know, they have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have ears, but they cannot hear. He said, people, those who worship them become like them, dead. He actually describes how ridiculous it is that they take a piece of wood, cut it in two, with one half they cook their food, with the other half they worship it. How ridiculous. I come from parts of the world where growing up, people will have their little God in their pocket in case something bad is going to happen. They have their little charm too. So, and I, eventually I realized, even as a kid, I knew, if your God fits in your back pocket, you have a big, big problem. <laughs> so that when the Bible talks about the God that we serve, the Bible describes him as the living God. Don't flip over those kinds of things when you read the Bible. The living God. The point is that he is alive. He speaks. He listens. He loves. He cares. He carries. He feels. He comes down from heaven to save. Can you shout amen to that? That's the God that we serve. And the book, the Bible, is a book that tells us all about this mighty, majestic God and his relationship with men and women that he made. The Bible, the gospel really is one story. It's a story of a God, it's a story of deliverance. The story of a God who, out of no need in himself, he created man who went through and now goes to save him. If you were God, you wouldn't go to save him, you'd go to punish him. He goes down to save him. And, 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 and in doing so, he takes them from darkness and wants to bring them into light. From being just a motley crew of people, he wants to bring them out and make them an army, a set of people in festal array. He wants to take them from being sons, from being slaves and makes them sons. No story better captures this than the story of the Israelites coming out of slavery in Egypt right into the promised land. The New Testament references that story 10 to 12 different times. It's a majestic and important story that captures our own salvation that God brought to us. So when he brought out the children of Israel, he did it in many ways. First of all, they were delivered by miracles. When he sent Moses there, and Moses, you know the story well, the miracles by his hand and by his staff, water that turned into blood. Which meant that the Nile, without no Nile, no Egypt. And now all of a sudden there is no Nile because it's turned into blood. And all the fish and everything in there that would have died. And uh, just the, their food and the aids that they need. Water that he turned into blood. Flies that were everywhere. Get out of your mind the idea of little flies to swallow. It would have been come, it would have been so much and come in such hordes. You couldn't probably speak like this because the flies just come in to, to engulf you. It would have been horrible. It would have been completely terrible. Lice everywhere. The people breaking out in boils. Locusts that completely ravished all their, all their plantations. One of the ones that amazed me, he talked about thunder, but the one that gets me, I think, the most, really, one of the ones that gets me the most, when he talks about the darkness. Somehow we don't tend to remember that one. The Bible talks about it, Exodus 10, 21, I think, and it says, and so there was darkness, and the darkness was so dark that you could feel the darkness. Think about that. 
See, we think we know darkness. No, we don't. Most of the time, things are bright enough, light pollution everywhere. You don't, you, I've been to parts of the world that is so dark. I'm like, you know, I, I cannot wait till morning to come. This kind of darkness, I said, it is so dark. He said the darkness, you could feel it. You could, as you walk through, you could feel it so much so, it says that nobody moved for three days. Think about that. For three days, all Moses said, let there be darkness. Nobody moved for three days. You couldn't move because it's like there's something there. And so they stayed put. And the whole time, there's darkness in the camp of the Egyptians, but the whole time there's light in the camp of the Israelites. I mean, it's a staggering, scary miracle. And yet this wicked Pharaoh would not let God's people go until in the end their firstborn are being killed. For God said, if you will kill my child, I'll kill your firstborn. And the firstborn, only then did he relent. These people, they were delivered by miracles. And the whole time God is trying to show one simple, he's trying to show the Egyptians his own power. And he's trying to show his own people his own goodness and his own power and the things that he can do. These people, they were delivered by miracles. Not just that, they were destined by promises. Because he said to Moses, say, let the people know, say to them, that I am the Lord your God. Said, I will bring you out from under this burden. Said, I will deliver you from under this slavery. I will redeem you with my outstretched arm. I will make you my people and I will be your God. And I will bring you to the land that I have sworn and I promised. And I will give it to you as an inheritance for you forever. Seven times he says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I, he's virtually marrying them. He's virtually marrying them. I mean, the groom, if in a wedding, the groom says, you said to the, do you take this woman? And he says, yes, I will, I will, I will. I will be like, okay, okay, calm down. <laughs> I will, he says. And he's he lets them know up front his benevolent hearts towards them. You know, they were delivered by miracle, but they were destined, they had destiny by promises. By promises. Not just that. They were sustained by the supernatural. By the supernatural. When they came out, the first thing they hit, you know the story well, is the Red Sea. And as you hit the, you hit the Red Sea, people are beginning to wonder, how is it going to go? And Moses, Moses says to God, what shall we do? And God says, why are you talking to me? Which is the fear of every leader. <laughs> Trust me, I've been a leader quite a while now. I know where as leaders we come to the front, God said we're going to do, God said, look, behind this scene we're like, Lord, please speak. Please help. Please guide. And God says to him, why are you talking to me? Be like, whoa, don't say that now, Lord. Now with two million people looking for my head, help me here. Says, what do you have in your hand? The staff. The average leader, honestly, turns up with his staff at the Red Sea and he he just, what do I, just, just hold it, just hold it. I, you know what? I'm really outing leaders for you. This is what goes on inside the leader. In fact, let me put it this way. This is what goes on inside the heart of a good God-fearing leader. They are not as strong as they present. They are far weaker than they present. Which is what God loves. He turns up with the staff. I mean, he's like God says, just point your staff. If God said to you, the rest is there, point your staff. What would go through your mind? 
You don't, you have no idea what's going to happen. You just point it, and it just points. Before you know it, God sends the wind, and the whole thing is set apart. And suddenly there's a, every, the whole two million people are looking at Moses and going, Oh, I knew you had it in the bag, man. <laughs> I knew you had this in the bag. Coming here, stuttering, I don't, I don't know what to say. You knew what to do the whole time. <laughs> you knew what to do. Go, Moses, go. The whole, Moses is standing there thinking, I, no, trust, I didn't do, I, oh, you're always saying that. You did. It, you know, I, no, no, really, I did it all, please. In leadership, very often, you know you're connected to it somehow. But you're not so dove. You know the power comes from somewhere else. These people would walk on dry land. Think about it. On dry land. Would you want to be the first guy to go in there? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think you don't want to be the first guy to go in there. You'd be like, mm, uh, uh, Gabriel, you go first. Prefer one another in love, you go first. But I think you'd have had to walk down into the seabed of that thing and walk. And as they're walking, think about it. Vertical on both sides of water. They would have seen the fishes and the whole thing. And they're walking right through. I mean, you could even, if you were thirsty, you could. <laughs> and they came out singing songs. You know what? I mean, unbelievable miracle. Who is like unto thee, O God? Amongst the God, who is like unto you? Exodus 15, verse 11. Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, always doing wonders. When they came out, they had food from heaven, manna. They had water from a rock. Think about that one. From a rock. So glad it's from a rock. Because if it was from a well, some you know, geology someplace would be like, well, they got lucky, you know, they hit a water plate. Okay, it's a rock. How much squeezing do you have to do to get water out of a rock? In the book of Psalms, it says this, and the, the water gushed forth. And two million people and their cattle were fed and watered by God. I mean, this is just amazing. They were led by the clouds, daytime, pillar of fire at night. That's how they knew where to go. We get all impressed with our GPSs in our car. At the end of the road, turn right. God has been doing this a long time. At the end of the mountain, turn right. He's been showing them. <laughs> He's been showing them this a long time. This is God for you. He said this. Listen to this. He said, their slippers never wore out. Unbelievable. For a parent who had to buy shoes every term for kids... I mean, I love my kids. I got two sons when they were younger. I would buy them expensive school shoes from Tesco's. And <laughs> Very expensive. Premium from Tesco's. Four weeks later, one side of the shoe looks right. The other one's going north. Like, what's happened here? God took care of them. Said their slippers never wore out. Unbelievable. In fact, it makes me wonder, how did they even discover that? Because the way you wear your shoes, you don't exactly think much about it. I reckon one day they're sitting around the campfire just talking. Yeah, you know, I got these shoes. I got it in Egypt, you know. Yeah. It's lasted a long time. It's lasted a long In fact, it's lasted, it's lasted decades. <laughs> it's like 40 years. <laughs> I mean, how did it 
it lasted so it's lasted such a long time. Those Egyptians are good at making shoes, you know. Yeah, that's the kind of thing Christians say. When God comes to take care of them and sort situations out, you start giving uploads to the, your boss or to man. Or, listen, it's God that protects. It's God that sustains. It's God that with his love provides for you. He is the one, therefore, that should get all the praise and all the adoration every time in your life. Every time. And yet the Bible tells us that with these people, God was not pleased. It's pretty shattering to hear that, that with these people, God, God was not pleased with them. And the reason he wasn't pleased with them, so many reasons, but it really comes down to this. They had no faith. They had no faith in his promises. He had a lot of promises for them, but they had no faith. Psalm 106 says that. They had no faith in his promises. Which is a terrible thing. It says this in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. It says this, because the word that came to them is the same that came to us. But the word that they received did them no good because they did not mix it with faith. Hebrews 4 2. So God is speaking and God has shown his work and his acts. But the whole time they're still suspicious. What if God doesn't come through? Let me tell you a good definition of faith. Faith is believing that God is telling the truth. That's what it is. But they just, they just doubted him the whole time. And that is one thing God does not like. Having loved and shown, still you doubt him. They had no faith towards him and his promises. And the problem with that is this, is this, you see. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. And so it is that these people had no faith. So that by the time we get to where we are, actually it's another generation because that generation, they perished in the wilderness. They died there, which is so sad. Only two people would make it through, really, Caleb and Joshua. So that the new generation now, by what I read to you in the book of Joshua, it is actually Joshua now, he's the one who is, is that the time? Good night. God bless. Good night. <laughs> Excuse me. I will try my best to squeeze the rest in. You guys, I'm so at home, I'm carried away. Good. Oh, thank you, Anne. I noticed Jeremy didn't say any. I'm joking. He did. <laughs> it's a new generation. God has come now and said to him, Joshua, Moses is dead get up. It's a whole new day. Get up. Be strong because you, I will get you to lead these people to possess these lands. And he describes the whole thing for him. He said, I'll be with you the whole time. Don't worry about that. The only thing I say to you is be strong and be courageous. So from the beginning, he's making sure the leader is a man of faith. And he says this to him three times, verse 6, verse 7, verse 9. Be strong and be very courageous. Be very courageous and then you will have good success and you will prosper in all your ways. You know the verses very well. And so Joshua begins to lead. And he begins to lead just following God as best he knows how. And also kind of in the footsteps of Moses who God used to appoint him. I mean Moses sent out uh, 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 12 spies. Only two came back with a positive report. Joshua, you know what he does? He sends out only two spies. I like that guy. Like, let's just find the two positive people and send them. That's 
leadership wisdom right there. Really. He sends two of them. He gathers all the people, and the people say, we will follow you, Joshua, as we followed Moses. That's a worrying line, that. <laughs> I always find it very worrying, that. As the way we followed Moses. You know, at one point, they wanted to stone Moses. They're like, let's just kill him. We will follow you the way we followed Moses. Moses had to take them through the Red Sea. Joshua is going to have to take them through the Jordan. The point is this, every time there's a new era, a new season, a new level, a new generation, there are other battles that you're going to have to fight as well. So don't get all freaked out. It's supposed to go that way. Because God wants you to have your own faith, not just the faith of someone else from the past. So that they get to the point, everything is going well, eventually the spies come back. And then we get to this place, he says, and then there was Jericho. Jericho, that huge, big wall that is impregnable and just, you know, you cannot scale it. You cannot walk around it. It looks undefeatable. It's just there and strong and staring down and saying, I am not moving. You come. And half the time you don't know what to do. And we, very often we have Jerichos in our lives. Jericho's in our lives. It's situations that are negative, but it seems to be on a cycle and it doesn't seem to stop. It's challenges in our lives that have become obstacles that will not shift. It's relationships in our lives that, that are fractured and broken and you don't, don't know how to put this thing together. And it's pretty hurtful and painful and having to just stay there in the name of God, but the whole thing is hard, and not knowing what to do with it. It, is different, it affects different dimensions of life. At the physical dimension, it's sicknesses and illnesses that you thought by now God would have healed. And it hasn't happened. It's mental, mental thoughts in the mind. Sometimes, Wrong thoughts, bad thoughts, negative thoughts that fill the mind until it's like a cesspool of sewage and it just makes you feel dirty because you can't get rid of it. All the time it's thoughts in the mind that belittle, where it continues to suggest to you, you cannot do it, don't be a fool, you're, you're, you are smaller than everyone thinks, therefore take your place. And it devalues and condemns. You think Christians don't live like this? Oh, a lot of Christians live this way. And they seem to just, just bear it up. Just bear it up. And the real freedom doesn't seem to have come. It's habits that are in people's life. Habits that define them. Habits that defile them. All of these things. Fears at the emotional level of life. The fear of man. The fear of the future. The fear of anything new. The fear of change. You have any idea how many churches have become stuck because of a fear of change or guilt guilt that God has dealt with but there's still a suggestion from the enemy that you did wrong well what does one do when one faces these kinds of things how does one then go beyond the Jericho and advance by faith well many people decide to do it at a practical pragmatic level first of all they try to if you're one of those perfectionists with a stiff upper lip, you're just going to get it done. And you just put your sweat. You begin to do life by the flesh. 
by, the, by just pragmatics, not by the Spirit. They're the kind of people they want to climb Jericho as best they can. And all those nails come up. They're just climbing. You know, if I get another degree, if I do this, if I buy this, if I own that, if I do this. And at the end of it, they're exhausted. I, the last thing I ever want to be is the life of a perfectionist. Thankfully, I have a Lord who is perfect enough for me and for him. So I just look there. For some people, they don't try to advance. They just retreat and run back. Be like, Lord, I go this far with you, but no further. No further. I just can't do it. It's, I tried once. It's, it was, and so they retreat. Oh, no. They know, they know better than to turn around and go back to Egypt. But they just retreat. They're silent now. They still attend. Still attend. But their heart is not there anymore. Their mind is not there. Their spirit is not there anymore. But for the vast majority of Christians in this category, oh, they don't try to forcefully advance. They're too tired. They, they don't just retreat. What they do, they camp at the base of Jericho and they live there. And they just get used to it. They even have cute little theologies they develop around it to make it seem okay. And so they learn to live there. There's just one problem with that. Jericho is not Canaan. And he brought them out that he might bring them in, the Bible says. And so very often, listen now, very often we're living lives of quiet desperation with cute theologies around it that doesn't make us stand up and say, God, would you come? With real passion. That the faith becomes numbed off at a certain point and we no longer believe. So much so that even if we source a person who had faith, we'd just be like, it's a bit over the top, they would say. It's over the top, they would say. So we just learn to live our gentle little lives and it's sad. Because you were made for much more. But thankfully, there's a way out of this. That's <laughs> why so I love the gospel. That the Lord God Almighty, you don't have to try and fight forward. You don't have to retreat. You can look upward and watch him come carry you over Jericho and lift you on. But what he does want is that you will grow in faith. How does one begin to really advance in faith? Number one, you need to acknowledge God passionately. You need to acknowledge him passionately. Very often, we can get very comfortable, pally with God in a way that we know how it goes. We know how the meeting goes. We know how the verse goes. We know how the sermon goes. We know how everything goes. In fact, we could do it ourselves. In fact, we do do it ourselves sometimes. We won't bother going. And this creeps up on us. After a while, we're no longer on mission. We used to be at one point passionately on fire for God. But over time, with the knocks of life, we're not seeing him. So we're not acknowledging him passionately anymore. There will be no faith until you see this God passionately. Where Joshua gets to Jericho and he wakes up in the morning and he sees this huge soldier standing. I mean, like, just huge. And Joshua is a man of war. He's a, he's a, he's a soldier. People study him in military uh, circles. Here he is, and he sees this man, and I tell you, he asked a real good question. He's like, okay, just what? are you on our side? It's a good question. Because you see that thing so big, you know you cannot defeat it. Are you on our side? It reminds me very many years ago, that when our kids were really small, kind of four or five, I got two sons, and I'm driving on the motorway with them, you know, just driving around, you know, like a dad, making them shout. You know, 
on the other side of the M25, what did I see? There's a row of tanks. And it was just, just delightful to see. And I just revved up. You know, I'm always revving up my sons. I'm like, look at that. Arr, tanks. And the boys are looking there, shouting. Arr. And we're making all this noise in the car, you know. And all that. Suddenly it dawns on me. They are our tanks, aren't they? Because <laughs> it would be the worst thing in the world, being invaded and applauded. That would be terrible. <laughs> I mean, Joshua goes there and he sees him and says, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he says, listen to me, I haven't, I'm not, it's not, I haven't come to take sides, I've come to take over. When God comes, he doesn't come to take sides, he comes to take over. Okay? So stop counseling married couples, what did she say, what did he say? Do that for five minutes and say, what did he say? Because he's the one that has preeminence and he gets to take over. He does. He said, it's not about you, it's about him. I have come, I'm a soldier, army of the Lord. The commentator said, this is a pre-incarnate picture of none other than Jesus Christ. And I really believe that. That is Jesus showing himself in every page of the scriptures right through, from the Old Testament right through. And Joshua bows down to worship. This is where you begin to begin to acknowledge God all over again. And then the promises begin to come alive in you and you begin to realize, like Numbers 23 verse 19 says, that God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should repent or recant. If he promised something, he will do it for you. Can you shout amen to that? The Bible says in the book of uh, Titus, I think it is, chapter 1 verse 2, it talks about God who cannot lie. In the book of Hebrews chapter 6, it says this, for by two immutable things by which it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, God, listen, God can be trusted. God can be dependent upon. Listen to the best way that Spurgeon puts it. He says this, can you trust him for your soul's redemption and not rely upon him for lesser mercies? Is not God enough for thy needs? Or is his all-sufficiency too narrow for thy wants? Is his heart faint? Is his hand weary? If so, seek another God. (laughs) I mean, that's the master of preaching speaking. If this God is too small for you, go find another one. But if he is infinite, if he's omnipotent, if he's faithful, if he is true, if he's all wise, then why would you gather abroad seeking for another, another confidence? Why would you rake the earth looking for another foundation? He is sufficient for thee. Can you shout amen to that? Yeah. To acknowledge him, to say, I see what I'm seeing here. It's you, Jesus. I bow down and worship. It's where it starts. Secondly, number two, you, that you truly, that you, that, that you trust God completely. Wholeheartedly. Not slightly. We trust God slightly. It won't work. Faith doesn't work that way. The way faith works is you are committed now. You're com- if, I, if, I, if I'm here, there's a point. If I want to go down, there's a point at which I'm really committed. I'm going. I can still hold back. This is all, but there's a point. Oh my! Yeah, you're committed now. Faith is a bit like that. When Joshua said to the people, he said, "You know what? Uh, God has spoken. Now the way we're going to, you know, uh, sort all this problem out with Jericho, the way we're going to do it." I said, "I'll tell you how we're going to do it." Uh, we're going to march around the wall. Okay, march around. 
Yeah, we're going to march around the wall. So early morning, everybody up from the camp. Imagine that. <laughs> everybody up from the camp. The men carrying all the whole thing. First day, they're going around. <clears throat> now, you can imagine people, the new campers, with the new leader, going around saying, oh, I just like Joshua. He's an amazing leader, isn't he? Young, energetic, real leader. Look at that, real decisiveness. We're going to get up and go in the morning. I like Joshua. Well, that's day one. Everybody says that on day one. <laughs> Excuse me. Everyone says that on day one. <clears throat> but trusting God means going the whole way. <clears throat> day two, get up in the morning, everybody going around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Joshua, he has a plan, you know. I know he hasn't said much yet, but he has a plan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Day three, silence. So, you, you don't seem to be talking much today. No, 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 no. I'm just, uh, I'm just thinking things through. <laughs> Day four. That, now, you know, I'm not one for complaints. <laughs> Look, I've been a pastor a long time. That sentence never ends well. <laughs> never ends well. <laughs> Therefore, you know me, I'm not one for complaints. I'm not one for complaints, but I'm just saying, what are we doing? That's the day five. I'm not sure about this, Joshua. You know, whoever heard of a wall coming down, we're just marking time, just going round this. Day six, complaint. Day seven, I want to go back. That's how people are. But if you're going to have faith with God, and what you have to trust Him wholeheartedly. It means you don't have a back, there's no plan B to go to. You look to Him, you follow Him, and you go the whole way. You go the whole way. Part-time faith will never yield full-time results. It has to be the whole way. But everyone can stop. We just finished the Olympics, you know. It always makes me laugh. Anytime you see the, um, the people, kind of like the athletes, you know. Uh, they're going to run Olsen Bolts, you know, uh, 100 meters, and then the camera focuses down when they're going to do the final lap. And in lane one, we have Great Britain. And, you know, they always go like... <laughs> and they show the other one, you know, he's from this one, where he's going to... Everybody's got their own little deal going, you know. They must practice that stuff behind the scene. How ridiculous is that? But never mind. You know, they do... All this, you know, Usain Bolt, yeah, yeah, what do you All of that going. <laughs> Well, imagine if I am one of those on the, on the, on the, you know, on the track. And, they say, and then we have a little short chap by the end there, you know, so from the nation of Topi. Like, hey, yo, you know, and all of that. Now, if I have the track suit on, if I got the whole, all of that stuff they do, you know. <laughs> they do all this stuff, oh, shake their head on already. You know? they, they always do that stuff. I'm watching this, but oh, oh that thing means something. Up to that point, I just look like one of them. On your marks, I'm still looking like one of them. Usain Bolt is there. You don't know. I just look like them. Get set. I still look like them. <laughs> Go. Now I don't look like them. <laughs> Anyone can stop. The issue is not did you start. The issue is did you go the whole way. That's how faith works. You cannot start halfway and begin to complain. 
we often, you know what? We have faith, things that kill our faith. Give you four of them real quickly. Faith killers. Number one, negativism. The disposition to always project to the worst case scenario. Oh, I don't want to offend you, but this comes like a natural, like a spiritual gift to people in England. I'm ever so sorry. Ever so sorry. It's like a gift. It's like, it, you know, it's like a gift. Like, Can we just go to the shop? Oh, we might die. <laughs> it might go wrong. It might go wrong. Why would it go wrong? I don't know. But we've got to be careful. Negativity. Always projecting to the worst case scenario. Well, that's to kill your faith right off. Or Criticism. The disposition that is always looking for the imperfect or the incomplete. Those kinds of people. When you paint the wall, a wall, you've done a good job. When they come in the room, they're like, you missed a bit. <laughs> you missed it. Who wants to be married to that guy? Pointing out things every time. That's the law for you. Always pointing out problems. There's another guy you should get married to called Jesus. Who is always saying, you've done well, but guess what? Even the ones you missed, they're all covered by my blood. That's grace for you. But criticism, you know, that, that's, you may think I criticize. I, I'm just saying my heart. I'm just saying my mind, they say. And they go home. You're, you're numbing your soul from having faith in God without realizing it. Or skepticism. The disposition that is always questioning, but it never commits. Oh, yeah. Don't have that guy on the board of trustees. They're always saying, we should be praying more in the church. We should be praying. Okay, prayer meetings on Tuesday. Sorry, I can't make it. Or cynicism, always seeing every human expression as selfishly motivated. Anything, we're now going to be doing this at the church, be like, hmm, I wonder what's behind it. What do you, why does anything bad have to be behind it? Hmm, there's always something behind it. See all those things that people say? Your heart, you're doing damage to your soul. Faith doesn't reside in that atmosphere at all. It doesn't. Faith needs a certain kind of atmosphere to speak the right things. It hears God, it believes God, it trusts God, and it speaks, it aligns itself with the words of God. Where it says this, it says, it says, uh, first Timothy, uh, second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.12, I think it is, that says, you know, they, 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 we believe, therefore we have spoken. And since we have the spirit of faith, we too believe, therefore we too have spoke, have spoken. In other words, faith speaks. It's not, just, it's not just speaking positive things. You cannot sound bite God into anything. You cannot sound bite God into anything. But if you hear him, then your vernacular begins to align. Your prayer begins to change. Everything begins to be in line and in sync with exactly what it is that he is saying. Let God be true and let every man be a liar, is what the Bible says, Romans chapter 4. Let God be true let every man be a liar. That God, you know, you speak what he is saying. He says this, as I can run through a troop, David says, uh, Psalm 18. I can run through a troop and I can leap over a wall. And as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield to those who know him. Who is God besides the Lord? Who is a rock except our God? It is God that makes me. He makes my arms strong for war. He makes my feet like hinds feet. I can walk upon my high places. I, 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 because of what God has done. That is faith speaking. 
And these things we need to learn to bring into because it begins to go from just faith or believing to pushing and advancing forcefully. To acknowledge God passionately, to trust God wholeheartedly, and finally to obey God immediately. On the seventh day, they went round the wall seven times. Only on that seventh day did they go around the wall seven times. Still, no brick has shifted on the wall. They've done everything. And it's looking like God has not turned up. God may not come when you want, but God is never late. <laughs> he knows the timing far better than you think. So you learn not to go by the, dead, by the deadlines of men but by the deadline of God. They went round seven, and on the seventh day, he said to them, now shout. Now shout. There's a way obeying God involves some action from you because faith without works is dead. Faith without trust in God that yields work born by grace. If there is no work there, there's probably no faith there. I'll tell you something, it's just a joy to be here today and just to hear about all that God is doing. You know, I, I really love what God is doing amongst us. And I, most of what I learned, just being in the apostolic circle that we are together in, I began to just see, hear, learn. On one occasion, we had maps on the floor and everybody was talking. And it was some of the things that Jeremy said, a part of the nation where there are no churches there, I, I, I was really undone and embarrassed because I'd never even quite thought that way before. I think about church plant and nature, but not the way that he brought it. And God just put some things in my own heart. But those things, no matter how much you talk about and pray about them, at some point God will say, okay, show me your work by faith. And giving towards these things. Begins to, they say giving that is very comfortable. It's very safe, very casual. It's the way that we do it. But there's a giving that is going to prove God. That shows I am about God's agenda, not mine. And then you begin to see how God moves in your life, even when you didn't pray about it. This is how God works. This is how God moves. But there's something that you have to do. Let me close with this. A friend of mine, one of our elders, a physiotherapist, uh, a guy comes into the hospital, has his operation. It, was, he, it wasn't a major problem he had, and it wasn't a major operation but he's one of these guys that really believe oh everything is a big deal he goes in they sort him out he comes out following day or a couple of days my friend who's a physio goes to him and says hello Mr. Such and Such uh, I see that your everything was successful here we need to begin to mobilize you begin to get you moving and walking and uh, so I'm going to just going to help you off from your wheelchair and walk he's like what you want me to walk have you lost your mind I had a major operation they thought I would die. This was a... He's like, trust me, Mr. Such and Such. It really wasn't that bad. What? It was a major operation. It's like, I want a second opinion. My friend is like, all right. They go to the department. They give him a second. Another physio goes. The one they send, she's new to the department, just qualified, nice little girl. She goes there. Mr. Such and Such, do you want to walk? He says, no. She says, Okay. And she leaves. <laughs> following day or following week, she goes back. Mr. Son, would you like to try to walk? No. 
Okay. Leaves him. And the third time she comes, he realizes she's just going to keep saying okay. I might never walk again. He says, I want the other physio back. <laughs> My friend comes back and says to him, there's one question. Would you like to walk? It's just that when I try to walk, it could be dangerous. Would you like to walk? Yes, yes, I would. Eventually picks him up, begins to help him and mobilize. Sometimes people want to sit down in the same place saying, I'm doing the best I can. Life is just so difficult. And You're never going to shift or move if you just stay there. But if you will listen to God, there are situations that he will, people he will bring to help mobilize you. And then you begin to walk the walk of grace to the higher level. There's always something that you have to do. And it may not seem sensible, but if God said it, he will bring it to pass miraculously. Where Joshua said to the people, now we've walked around seven times over seven days. Now we've walked around seven days on this seventh day. Seven times on this seventh day. The Bible says... Therefore, shout. Therefore, now, shout. You know, in fact, I want to invite the band to come up. Because when they shouted, it says, they shouted a great shout. I know it's a lot of people shouting, but trust me, it was not their shout that shook the bricks and removed the cement and the walls came down. It was not their shout that made all the difference. It was God's power that brought down the wall. But they had to let that thing be released by complete obedience and immediate obedience in him. And so he says, and the people shouted a great shout and I just wonder this evening because there will probably be people here that may be stuck in a rut can't go further can't go backwards at the base of Jericho but God wants to break you free from it today that it was for freedom that Christ set you free not to be at the base here and there's a shout of joy and a shout of praise. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. That there is a shout that brings really. Can we stand up together? Stand up together. That there's a shout that God wants to bring to you. He wants you to bring to him. And because there's a release that he wants to bring to you. I, want, I love the way that the drums was played earlier on. I love the whole of what was done earlier on. And sometimes one could miss it. I felt God really ministered to me about the next step of things that I have to do right during that time. I love that prophetic word. I, I hope that thing was captured. I talked about the way that the rhythm of the beat and just the way that. That was so profound and prophetic. And when that was happening, I knew God wants us to finish that way. And because of time, I could have called people to the front, but we're just where you are, there's a shout of praise and a shout of release. This is important now because the things that bind you up will be gone today in Jesus' name. Because I have prayed for you well before this time. And I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to do the things that he said he will do. 
So let your heart begin to rise as the band begins to play and the drum begins to beat. Because there's something that God wants to do in you. Come on, raise, begin to lift your voice. If the sun shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Come on, everyone, lift your voice. Make a shout unto God. Make a shout unto God. Robaco Sanda Rebeco Sorebaco Sendere. Sora Baco Sondo Rebeco Viana Maco Sondo Cobrene. Mucobrene Cosa Cobrene. Let freedom come in the name of Jesus. Every pastor that is here that cannot see future. See the hope that is in Christ. Warambeco Sondo Cobarabaco Sondo Robo Cosene. Gosaka Baramaconeme. Be set free. Be released. May your spirit come alive in God. Moronoko Zankambanda Rabe Kobrene. Ozo Gombrendeke Sonto Kobarada. Zeko Branako Shoroboko Soto Kombrene Kosone. Ezaka Vreno Korambeko Sokombande Rebe. Ozake Berebeko Soto Kobrene Kosone. Ozake Bereme. So Karabako Sonkembrene Koshoroboko Sone. Ozeke Vende Rebeko Sondo Roboko Sake Breno Kosone. Ozeke Berebeko Sonko Korebekore. So that you no longer be a victim, no longer a victim, but a victor in Christ. But the Lord just showed me just some pictures I want to bring to you. Please hear this. Today is a day of deliverance. Today is day of salvation, and salvation belongs to the Lord. The Lord showed me the picture of a little girl standing before a mirror, standing, holding like a microphone, singing. But then gets to the stage to sing, but would always just shy back. Really wants to do it, but pulls back. The picture of a person here who, you know what God has put inside you. But somehow... There is a constrictive mentality that is stopping it being burst forth. Now, all that is stopping it, today the Lord is going to release it in Jesus' name. There's some here that there's something of a victim mentality. You just expect things not to go right. You expect that it will happen negatively to you. That mindset can be reset by God. Can be reset by God. Because you, he did not make you to be a failure. Your God is a mighty God. Your God is a mighty God. Can you shout amen to that? Therefore, some of you, the situation that you are allowing it to drown you. You are allowing it to drown you. 
think of what David says when he says, you know, but God came for me. My enemy, that was too strong for me. God came for me. God is on your side and God is for you. So stop looking with the eyes of man and of the flesh at the situation and shift your gaze, shift your gaze back to God. You're worrying too much, some of you. But the Lord says, I am able to whistle and call your children back. I'll whistle and I'll call your children back, says the Lord. It takes real grace to just leave it all before God. I want us to make just one more shout and then I'm going to pray for some people. But as we shout, you see the release happening to you. You get that? You see the re- we're also sometimes very well behaved. There's a place for righteous chaos that lets a freedom come forth. Amen. Come on, make a shout unto the Lord. Be set free. 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 In the name of Jesus. Be free in Jesus' name. Robaco Sondorobo. Be free. Be free. In the name of the Lord. Corabaco Sokobarebeco Sokobre. Ezacabadoco Cobrebeco. Corabeco Sondarebeco Shorebe. Secondarebeco Sokobrebeco. Thank you, Lord. May it be done to you according to your faith. Marana Kobad Nabeko Sorebeke. O Soko Borroko Soko Brede. O Zake Brenoko Soko Brede. Suke Brenoko Zake Brenoko. Praise the Lord. You know, I came here to minister to you. I've been ministered to because there are some things ahead that I know God wants me to do not knowing how to climb it. And in the heart of preparing this sermon and preaching to you, I'm preaching to me and to you. You know, the Lord is ministering to us all. There's a fire and a confidence that he has birthed inside me. Don't you leave this place negative again. You remember what the Lord has done and you hold it well. And refuse to let any man's voice, any woman's voice, any situation steal it from you. Because now you've come to see there must be more than just being at the base in Jericho. There must be more than this. He has made you for so much more. That there's a consuming fire, a consuming fire that so consumes you, you're just lost in God. And we're going to sing this song through, then I want to call you to the front. That perhaps you just know, you, it's, it's a step of faith as you walk forward. And it's a, it's a coming, just, just something you want to do. It's this kind of dedication to God. Here I am, oh God. Do something fresh in me. That I haven't just come to this showground for a holiday. I've come to have an encounter with you. This is why you came. And this is why he came. Let's sing it together.